Welcome to Crush and Disappointment. In this episode, I'm chatting to Steph about her crush on Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. I tried to find a consense... Consense? Condensed? No. Concise description of Aragorn, but struggled. So the only things I've got to say is that in the 1978 animated Lord of the Rings film, Aragorn was played by John Hurt. And in the 2001 to 2003 Lord of the Rings film series directed by Peter Jackson, Aragorn was played by Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen has been mentioned a few times on this podcast in a recurring segment about um, whether he or Brendan Fraser look more like Kevin Sorbo. That segment is shit and I need to stop doing it. So um, this will be the last time you hear of... Well, when you, when you get to the end in this episode, that'll be the last time you hear of Kevin Sorbo, unless someone wants to pick him as a crush. But um, until that day, we're um, saying goodbye to Kevin Sorbo. Also in this episode, during the second half, I managed to sort of kill the conversation, or the flow of the conversation, by just reading out really long quotes and then listing bullet points. So um, I need to not do that. I need to sort of, um, if I'm going to do have quotes, have them linked to questions. That would make sense for an interview show. If I'm, if I'm just going to continue moaning. I edited this uh, episode while on holiday in Bristol. And I was doing it on an old laptop, which... Uh, and I forgot to take my mouse. So I've, I've given myself a little repetitive strain injury from uh, doing it on the uh, keypad. So I'm trying to get a bit of sympathy. But uh, that means that I've sort of given up on the... Uh, editing so this is more like the uh extended edition of uh lord of the rings if to link it back in because it's all uh planned out um which i think steph says she hasn't seen or doesn't like i think i remember her telling me that so and also i guess the ending this episode ends and then starts again so i guess i can say that's like return of the king these are all uh lord of the rings references for anyone who's not keeping up what else i think that's it here's the crush So, Aragorn, did you... Oh, Aragorn's from Lord of the Rings? Yes. (laughs) Did you... What was your introduction to Lord of the Rings? Did you see the book, read the books first, see the films? Um, So, I come from a very highly competitive family. And my dad bet me when I was about eight or nine that he could read the books faster than me. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't having any of it. So, that's how I was introduced to them. I think it's probably his tactic to educate me was challenging me to read things faster than him and like, I can do that I can be way faster than you dad obviously I lost um but yeah that, that's how I was introduced to it and so was your dad a Lord of the Rings fan yes very much so so when I said I wanted to read them it was because he was reading them or rereading them probably for about the fourth or fifth time and I remember him sitting in the dining room doing the elvish language okay like translation I suppose like working it out I don't know I just remember him sitting there and like drawing what looked like pretty letters and coding it, decoding it. So the the parts of the book are in Elvish? I think so. It's, it's been a long time <laughs> since I read them. Um, but I, th- I think there's like passages that it, he would enjoy back translations of, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> as a bit of an evening hobby. Some people do crosswords or Sudoku, Sudoku. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> but my dad used to decode languages <laughs> in his spare time because it's a full language isn't it you can, yeah, you can yeah, learn I'm, Elvish I'm very sure there are people a lot of people that speak that I'm not one of them can your dad speak it I have to ask him I bet I bet he could write some of it I bet but that's how I was introduced to it basically I thought it looked like fun and 
competition, I will win. So did you, I don't know, when you read those books, you had that sense of competition, but did you enjoy them while reading them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to um, stay awake at night in my bedroom. Um, I used to be very, very tired the next day at school because I would be not sleeping and reading. And it was also quite, um, it's quite like satisfying because it was quite a big book. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, I had to do like my five chapters or my 100 pages or whatever. That used to be very, very satisfying for me. And did Aragorn jump out at you the first time reading it? Was he someone who had an immediate impact? Oh, yeah, he's a man of mystery. That's what, <laughs> that's what I liked about him. <laughs> um, I think even when I was reading the books, obviously I wanted to be an elf. That was like, because how cool would that be? Mm-hmm. But he was just so mysterious. And I, like, it's been a long time since I read the book, as I said, but I just remember like reading it and... I think when he's introduced as a character, it's quite like, oh, is he good? Is he bad? I just don't know. Um, so that obviously appealed to me. But I don't think I fancied him when I was eight or nine when I read them. Um, I think that came later with the movies. It, yeah, it definitely came later with the movies. Have you read the books lots of times? Have you seen the film lots of times? I've seen the films lots of times and I've read the books twice. But like the last time I read them was pre-uni, definitely. Right which feels like a long time ago. <laughs> um, um, I was probably about 13 last time I read them, 14 maybe. Okay. So, I mean, what was it about the, the version of Aragorn in the movies that did it for you? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, um, so I think like, if, if you've watched them more recently than me, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think there's like the scene where he's introduced he's got like his hood up he's sat in the corner he has like a pipe in his mouth and he like looks up from under his hood and he's just oh he's got a beard he's an old gentleman and he's got a husky voice everything about him i mean that is a super hot moment like i was um like for my googles like i'm looking at like tumblr and um there's a, um, I mentioned a podcast in my last episode called First Aid Kit. One of the hosts of that is really into Aragorn and she mentions that scene. Yeah, it vividly stuck with me, evidently. <laughs> just, just him looking up from under his hood. It's like, oh, look at him. So pretty. And then the other scene that people talk about is in, um, I think it might be the second one, when he opens the doors at Helm's Deep. There's like... Oh, yeah, and there's like a bit of billowing and... <clears throat> oh. He arrives. He's such a strong male presence. <laughs> That's what he is. And when he's like with the hobbits, it's like almost like a father figure. Mm. It's just so nice. And that appeals to my like nurturing side. I'm like, oh, he'd be a good dad. <laughs> oh, he could love me and look after me and be a father to our children. <laughs> That's what I feel about him. I feel like from watching the first one yesterday, he's like super competent. Like he seems like a, a good all rounder. Yeah. Where it's like, if, if anyone's got a trouble, they're like, get Aragorn, he'll be able to sort it out. Like, <laughs> he'll come in with his sword and fix everything, save the day. Yeah, he's just, he's just a protector. Protector, provider. And so, he's got a beard. <laughs> <laughs> so when you walk into a pub and you see a guy in the corner <laughs> with his hood on smoking a pipe, you're just like, that guy looks fit. Yeah, that's, that's what I look for when I walk into a pub. <laughs> a man with a hoodie and a pipe. Because <laughs> I, well, I see that guy in Weatherspoons most time I'm in there. <laughs> And he's never as hot as Aragorn. <laughs> Next time I'll try and talk to him. I'll see if it, if it's a good beard. Like <laughs> maybe I feel like, although I'm all for the older man, evidently from my crush, I think the kind of man that sits in the corner in a weather spoons for the pipe is probably slightly out of my age range, <laughs> ever so slightly. So this is from um, Jennifer Greg Martin. 
Two Roads to Middle-Earth, comparing the visualisation of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings Cinematic Trilogy. I've got the they're quoting someone else. So Sarah Martin, on film representations of Emily Blonte's character Heathcliff, argues, Film adaptations can inevitably cause problems for committed book readers, because a film can embody characters too strongly, therefore causing conflict with a reader's own impressions. And then um, Jennifer Greg Martin says, uh, I suggest that the struggle of reconciling the film's vision with the reader's own vision results in an even more concrete visualisation. By actively engaging both visualisations and consciously defending or accepting one or the other, the characteristics of a visualisation are more clearly imagined. So, did you go back to the books having, once you'd seen the films? Mm-hmm. And yeah. was your version of Aragorn, like, were the first time you read it, clearly you didn't see Vigo, was it similar to Vigo? Like, or can you even remember what that was? Has Vigo just become... He's your- just become him in my head now. I think when I read them for the second time, I definitely was a lot more visual because you've seen it and you can imagine it. The first time, I think I'm a bit weird when I read books. I don't necessarily picture characters when I'm reading. I just, it's really weird to think about that, actually. It's kind of messing with my mind right now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I envisioned them. I probably just, when I was reading it, just had him as like a mystery man in a, in a cloak. That's mm. how I would have like pictured him. And taller than the hobbits. <laughs> That's probably all I'd like built up in my head. And I know they're very, very descriptive books, but maybe I'm just not a very imaginative person. Mm. Blank. Yeah, I find when I'm reading, okay, so especially like Lord of the Rings, where you've got um, like fantasy names, I often see how the, the name looks, but don't necessarily even know how it sounds. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if someone was to ask me what a character to name that character, I wouldn't be able to because I'm just sort of skimming the page and I see what the word, word looks yeah. like and I know who that character is but I don't even does that make sense no I think that makes perfect sense and a lot of the time I have zero faith in my ability to pronounce things that I'm not certain of so I probably just don't even think about it I just read it and think word yeah, yeah. I know who that is and then move on definitely I wouldn't I wouldn't back myself to pronounce anything in those books <laughs> despite all my elven elfish I don't know what the language should be lessons with my dad I uh, would not would not win that competition. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess out and broader than Aragorn, when you think of Middle Earth, do you see the Middle Earth of the films now? Yeah, definitely. Like, well, I think I think you can't not, can you? Like, all the imagining like orcs and stuff when you're reading it, and the trees, and you just can't. I, I in my own head, I couldn't put it as like as gross, I guess, <laughs> as all the all the visuals are in the movie. Yeah. The Shire, I think I, I had a good image of in my head. It's just happy, lovely place, mm-hmm. green. But even then, that when you when you watch the movies, it's like, oh, it's so lovely. <laughs> I want to live there. And so do you, do you feel that that actually takes away something from reading the books when you, you don't have that? I guess you said you're not particularly visual when reading, reading yeah. the books. But is it, do you sort of feel like you're doing a, um, like a dot to dot maybe when, when reading now? You're kind of just like seeing the films play out over a longer period of time. <laughs> yes, really, really slowly, <laughs> chapter by chapter. You just skip all the bits that didn't make it into the movie now. <laughs> I, <re-read them. laughs> I think actually I'm going to reread them now. You've inspired me, Matt. I'm going to, I should have reread them before I came and spoke to you. <laughs> and then I could have been like, well, yes, and I would have been so well informed. Um, I wish I had time to watch the movies before I came, actually. I can see you've got the DVDs out on the side. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I got through all the fellowship in a little bit of Two Towers. How long was the first one? It's something like two hours fifty. 
Oh, that's pretty long. That's, <laughs> that's a long movie for my attention span. I've really enjoyed it, though. I feel like I'd sort of forgotten how scary, mm-hmm. especially the ring wraiths. Terrifying. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nightmares. That, 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 that <laughs> noise that they make. Uh, I used to get scared even with like Harry Potter with the um, Dementors. They were terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then you move on to like Lord of the Rings and that is horror movie stuff mm. for me. Even even as a grown adult now, I'm like, oh no, scary noises. Yeah. And I just feel like there was even the film, even the sections of the film that aren't scary, there's this general sense of terror, yeah. of like fret, because you know that, especially the Hobbits are ill-equipped to deal with the situation like you it's not like a, an action movie where it's like the rock and you're kind of like he will always win it feels like actually i just also because this is the first time i watched it in years the hobbits all look so young now as opposed to when i watched it before when they were older than me and i was i was thought like the amount of like pressure <laughs> that was put on <laughs> like like frodo who is just like living his life and then suddenly he's got like the fate of everything on his shoulders it just it felt like such... Yeah, I felt like I got more from it this time like in terms of the burden. I feel like it's got really deep. <laughs> That's got really deep, Matt. Yeah, I little Frodo just living his life, eating his cheese and his bread and mm-hmm. whatever else he enjoys eating, everything and drinking his wine. And then it all just comes and rains on him, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not very nice. But it's okay because he's got his protector and his provider. Well, I guess that feeds into it, doesn't it? Because you have... Because you're so concerned for the Hobbit's well-being... Aragorn shows up. It's like he knows a route. He yeah. like he's well equipped. Like he he's takes got a really on big sword. <laughs> <laughs> he like takes on. I think he takes all the ring race on at once, and yeah. it's kind of it sort of diminishes their threat a bit because he's so so powerful, such a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I love him. Those little hobbits, they need him. So I think all these essays are referencing other essays, so it's all becoming <laughs> a bit of a muddle. I don't quite fully understand, but. Um, so Claire Valente said, had to write another essay. So this is back to Jennifer Greg Martin. Oh, this is so complex. So <laughs> where Valente feels the films fail to live up to the spirit of the book is in their treatment of pre-modern and modern values, their devaluation of majesty and the roles of higher powers, and their ambivalence towards victory. Here may be the crux of the difference between what some people envision through reading the book and envision via watching the film. So from... My Googles, I found like quite a lot of sources were talking about that the main distinction between the, the books and the films was Aragorn, saying that in the books he is a guy who's very keen to fulfill his destiny to be king mm-hmm. and is maybe a bit cocky. And in the film, he's more of a reluctant hero and sort of uh, constantly questioning whether he is fit to be the king. And this idea that actually this is a reflection of more modern values in the film where previously we would upheld that as being like a uh, our preferred version of a masculine hero would be a guy who is just like going to get who knows who he is and is going to get it done while the modern version is less so did if you as you can't remember the books too well but did you ever pick up on that distinction i don't know if i would ever have picked up on it but i can totally see that like you can't have him be perfect can you for the, for the <laughs> modern audience for the lady like me that's watching lord <laughs> of the rings you can't have him be perfect everything and destined to be king and wonderful and brilliant just like he is in the books but yeah it makes him a bit more real in the movies when he's reluctant he, he does come across as a bit cocky in both the books and the movies and he's not that keen on being friends with the hobbits at first but then again it just adds another depth to his character when he warms up to them and you're like oh he is nice after all mm. so lovely 
It's a very deep question. It's baffling my mind, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? When you you read them or watched them, I assume you've read them. No, I've not read them oh, ever. I'm so surprised. I just I've been assuming this whole time. Yeah, I remember a, a friend of mine had them all in one book. Mm-hmm. It was like this big chunky book that sat on the side of his bed, and it was the picture of the two statues with their hands mm-hmm. out. And I remember always feeling like I wanted to read it, but maybe it was too much of a commitment. If you had them all in one book, it would be a very, very big <laughs> commitment and heavy to hold, I'm sure, when you were reading it. You couldn't read that above above your face in bed. Mm-hmm. Might drop it and hurt your nose. Did you have you read all the the other books like not the Lord of the Rings? Like is it the, the, the Hobbit and the uh, Silmarillion? Yeah. And, yeah, I read I read them. But I read them in um I think the wrong order. Well, I read The Hobbit after I'd read The Lord of the Rings. And then I read the Silmarillion after I'd read The Hobbit. So I did it backwards, kind of. Mm-hmm. Or because of the competition. Was, but then it obviously sparked an interest. Mm-hmm. The Silmarillion, I I haven't reread. I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, actually. <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> um, um, I haven't reread it. I don't think I particularly enjoyed it. And I'm not really sure why. Is it a novel? Is it more like a history book? Yeah, it's, it's not It's not like fun. <laughs> From what I remember, I just remember reading it and being like, because I was excited because I thought I was getting another instalment of action and adventure. And I just remember it not being that. That's all I remember about it. So, do, do you feel like there was a, um, do you feel like there was a point in which you had, like, an all-consuming, in-depth knowledge of Middle Earth? Probably at some point when I was about ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now it's all just faded and gone, just like everything else I learned in my life. It's just been knocked out by everything else. Yeah, ten-year-old me was probably real know it all about it. Twenty-five-year-old me is, is not. And were your friends into it at school? No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> What friends, Matt? <laughs> no, I, I would think not. I think I was just a bit of a nerd at school, Matt. So you weren't in a nerd crowd. No, well, no, I don't. I don't think I was. I mean, <laughs> maybe I was, <laughs> but I don't think so. I think they were probably. I don't know what you're doing when you're ten. Nowadays, the kids are probably playing with their iPhones, but I was probably meant to be playing with Barbies. I was. I was also a Barbie girl. Big like conflict in my uh, secret. Lord of the Rings love, and then my Barbie girl pink exterior. So you say your friends probably went into it. That says to me that you didn't like talk to them about it. No, <laughs> was it, bit, well, it was my dad. Like, was it a? I don't know. Like, was it a major part of your life? Like Lord of the Rings? Was it something you were completely invested in, or was it just a book that you read like once? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a book that I read one time. Um, I think it was just something I used to do with my dad. To be honest, like it was. It wasn't like a thing that I would have spoken to friends about it was like a it's like a father-daughter bonding yeah. thing we used to read the books together and then talk about them it's quite a sweet thing like nice yeah. part of my childhood that I had and so, so um I guess did you you say that Aragorn was like a protector figure good looking guy like did you I <laughs> we're gonna get into some Freudian something no, 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 <laughs> talking to my dad he wasn't gonna go that tangent I was gonna be like don't do this Matt <laughs> I was gonna say did you ever identify with Aragorn was gonna be my question like did you see him as a guy who you kind of wanted did you like or did you see yourself as like a hobbit in need of his, <laughs> his like protection or was he a guy you felt like I can protect no, I, I'm in need of his protection. <laughs> it's it's really moulded my um, life choices with my love life at present. I think, Matt, I, mm-hmm. I look for a man who can protect me and look after me and fight off anything that, um, <laughs> that may put me in danger's way. Um, 
uh, I think it's just how I am as a person, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's what I look for. I, I definitely just see him as a protector. And that's what I want <laughs> for myself. Well, so in the books, he's got two, or well, in the films, he's got two significant like love interests. Mm-hmm. I think Arwen and Eowyn. Is that sure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did you like those? Jealous. <laughs> Jealous <laughs> I hate <that> them. <laughs> yeah. First thought was like, oh God, how dare he marry her, that bitch. <laughs> and she's beautiful and slim and tall and ethereal and lovely. But I guess, isn't, so Arwen is an elf. You said you wanted to be an elf. Was that a part of like... Yeah, it's, it was like obviously a deep-rooted thing of being like, I want to be elegant and lovely like her, so he'll love me. <laughs> That's what I was obviously seeking. And I also, the main thing I remember about why I wanted to be an elf was that they could uh, walk silently through woods. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but I thought that'd be a really cool thing to be able to do. And I remember that really vividly, actually, of um, like taking the dog for a walk and trying to walk like quietly through the woods and being like, damn, I'm not an elf. <laughs> I'm heavy footed. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just along. Yeah, plumpy. Yeah, that, that was the coolest thing about being an elf to me. <laughs> I mean, this isn't right, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but I remember... When I was looking at the Wikipedia page, because Aragorn's nicknamed Strider for a part of the books, and then Tolkien was toying with another name, and I can't remember what it was, but it was something that didn't sound as cool. It was something like Trotter. <laughs> I like Trotter. Trotter. That makes him sound so insignificant. <laughs> Trotting limbs and going plodder or something. I should Google find out what it was, because I can't remember. Um, I hope it's Trotter. I think Trotter might have been... Those parody books, I can't remember what they were called. The, the, I remember seeing them in W.H. Smith's. <laughs> the, the Board of the Rings, was that what it was? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, they, I think they called him Trotter in that. <laughs> so did you, of the, the two relationships, did you prefer, did you think one was a better match for Aragorn than the other? Well, neither of them were me, Matt, so <laughs> <laughs> neither of them were good. I, who does he marry in the end? Arwen. Arwen, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to be her, so, mm. and they had a child... Okay. I'm pretty sure they had a child. I think he's got other children as well in the books, mm-hmm. from my memory, but I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. So what I found there was some, uh, there was a letter that went out for auction, which Tolkien wrote to his publisher. And this is when he was putting the books together. And he said that, he was talking about the, the poet um, W.H. Auden, I think that's how you pronounce it, said that he thinks Aragorn, Arwen, unnecessary and perfunctory. I hope the fragment of the saga will cure him. I still find it poignant, an allegory of naked hope. I hope you do. Did you find Arwen, the relationship with Arwen to be unnecessary and perfunctory, or did you get something out of it? Mm, you've got to have a happy ending, haven't you? That's, that's what it is. It's, it's at the end, everyone's all happy. Well, apart from those that aren't happy, or no longer with the, their friends. Um, but kind of maybe maybe it's just like rounding it all up and happy marriage he's king now yay wife mm-hmm. children that's you, how it's meant to be in the stories and then the, the thread of it from because they i think in the film they gave her they bumped up her role a bit i think i read that i think yeah she's like queen of something or princess in the film i don't know i, I think she's got more screen time she gets more to do <laughs> she does more she's I might be completely making this up now because I don't know if I remember. I feel like I remember that she's like a bit of a fighter. Mm-hmm. So she's like a feisty lady, which is obviously his type. So maybe we're not meant to be after all. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she's a bit bit of a badass. And actually speaking of, well, speaking of Elvish, the, um, I guess the, probably the scene that I remember the most from them is the two of them speaking Elvish in some sort of like 
wooded area that looks like maybe it's a lake on a bridge maybe is this is this like a weird heated scene where they're a bit frisky it was not particularly frisky it's more like longing and she gives him a necklace yeah and um you know are you a fan of the elvish speed do you think vigo pulls off the uh do you sound hot doing the elvish oh yeah (laughs) he's got he's got a very good voice i think he's got a very um masculine voice Mm. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so, well, it's very whispery when they speak Elvish. It's very much like, <laughs> That's what's so, like, hot about it, I suppose. Like, oh, it's breathy, <laughs> I think. And I think Vigo, in real life, speaks, like, seven languages. <gasps> oh, gosh. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah. It, oh. <laughs> oh, he's perfect. <laughs> he's so smart. And he could probably provide for me. In fact, he could definitely provide for me. I'm sure he's married. Um, probably. But, yeah, that, that makes him even... That much more appealing. Yeah, it is. It is that kind of. Um, I keep harking on about this competency thing, but I just feel like <laughs> competent man. Yeah, it's just like there's something about that that sort of li- links the two in my head. Where I'm just like, oh, he's just got everything. He's <laughs> just, just got everything. He's attractive. I'm pretty sure he's quite tall. He's he's quite old now. Mm-hmm. He's older than he was, obviously. But it happens still, to the best yeah, <laughs> happens every day. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's still a very attractive man, the actor. And now I know that he speaks six languages. I'm just thinking, or seven. I can't remember what you said. Yeah, but it was seven. Seven. Yeah. But our children would be so smart. Think of the, <laughs> think of the genetics. <laughs> That's my first thought. <laughs> They'd be tall and smart, perfect. So did you did your crush for Aragorn extend to Vigo? Did you follow his career afterwards? I did not. But um, thirteen. I don't know however old I was when the movies came out teenage preteen me definitely fancied the actor and knew that you know it's the actor and it's it's not really him Mm -hmm. so much so to the point i think i've told you about this before but when you were like a teenager i'm sure you remember doing this matt used to play like little love games with your friends like you write your name and then your crush's name and you do some kind of like maths based on uh, okay. letters in your name or something um, and then you could work out a percentage of how destined to be together you were <laughs> and if I spelt his name wrong we were 99% <laughs> in love and destined to be together so I used to always just spell his name wrong and be like oh look he does love me <laughs> everyone come round <laughs> everyone come and look it's so perfect <laughs> only if I spell it wrong I think I used, used to miss out an E in his surname <laughs> and then I'd be like oh, it's perfect and with the E I think it was like 8% or something <laughs> really <laughs> but, but it made me happy it was quite an obsessive crush, actually, I think, for a while. I probably was a doodler of, like, love hearts. Mm. I don't know if it... Um, it's quite a good question, actually. I don't know if it would have been Vigo or Aragorn. I'm not, I'm not sure who I would have lusted after more. Because, you know, he was, like, a last-minute replacement. Like, originally, <gasps> they got someone else to do it. Oh, who um, was it? Do you know? Stuart Townsend? Oh, I don't know. There's a picture of him, actually, maybe. Um, actually, yeah, you got your phone. If you just Google Stuart Townsend Aragorn, there's a picture that comes up, which I'm not sure if it's an official picture, if it's okay. one from like the first one. few days or something that someone's put together. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's all wrong. So what's wrong about Stuart Townsend? He looks but- like he might murder me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just a picture, but no, it's not right. He's not as like, he looks a bit, he looks too young, I think, for one. Which, as we've determined, is an important characteristic for you that he must be older. (laughs) Must be old. (laughs) He looks a bit like um, Daniel Radcliffe with long hair. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, nothing about that picture appeals to me. (sighs) Absolutely nothing. Whereas, Mm. 
just so yeah i think maybe it's like the slightly slightly like lined face maybe it's just an age thing he just looks like he's had a tough time and he's worked hard for everything he's got and he obviously has he's so successful oh there's a side by side comparison he looks more like he should be a hobbit yeah he does have a bit of a yeah a hobbity look about him the harry potter hobbit um, actually, this might be a good point to segue into a recurring segment where we discuss um, the, there's an actor who played Hercules in this TV series and there's an ongoing debate as to whether he looked more like Viggo Mortensen or um, Brendan Fraser. Right. So... You'll have to show me who Brendan Fraser is first. <laughs> Brendan, he was the guy in The Mummy, so that's Brendan Fraser. Okay, yeah. And that's Kevin Sorbo. Do you think he's got a Vigo thing about Ooh. him? No. Do you like the look of Kevin Sorbo? Yeah. Um, I norm- I'm normally more of like a... Mm, if he put a beard on him. I think I, think I can <laughs> if, find if him with a beard. with him with a beard, I yeah. mean. He looks a bit clean cut. He looks a bit like... Vigo's a bit like unwashed looking sometimes and just makes him more manly. I can see where it's coming from though with the light eyes and the... Darker hair. I can't find it. I'm sure he did have a beard at some point. I'll believe you. <laughs> then I had a f- friend combine Viggo Mortensen and Brendan Fraser into one man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to get your perspective on if this. Do you like the look of that guy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not at all. I mean, he's, he hasn't got a beard. If we gave him a beard, maybe. No. What do we know? He's got an unusual face shape. <laughs> I mean, it's probably because two men's faces combined. <laughs> he looks like he's had a few too many dermal fillers. <laughs> what? Che- like, like fillers, like on your cheeks, like. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he's like got cosmetic surgery. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got a strong contouring on his. Yeah, he does. He does have a very strong jawline. No, just nothing appeals about that. No. He looks a bit um, pretty a boy as well. <laughs> I think he's a pretty boy, not not a manly, manly man. <laughs> So if, if say, um, Pretty Boy, I guess that's more something that's said about Orlando Bloom. Did you, when watching this film, did you ever appreciate Orlando Bloom or is it all just like Vigo? No, yeah, I, I was preoccupied. Um, Orlando Bloom in those films was very, very pretty, very attractive man, obviously. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any interest. Didn't fancy the elves. Just wanted to be one. <laughs> but he could walk through forests quietly, which <laughs> really cool thing to be able to do. So, it's a perfect time to do this because, where is it? Um, I think maybe last week there was a, um, an article written in the New York Times about Viggo Mortensen by Thessaly LaForce. That's a cool name, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a name. So, the, um, the article is called um, Viggo Mortensen, the Unlikely Leading Man. In the informal taxonomy of Hollywood's leading men, there are several obvious types. There is Brad Pitt, too lean and too chiseled to ignore. Rangy and funny, but emotionally aloof. He doesn't understand you, but then again, as with all beautiful people, you don't need him to. (laughs) There is a spiritual descendant of Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, that boyish Peter Pan type who still happens, however incongruously, to be possessed of an old soul. There's Matthew McConaughey and Keanu Reeves, dreaming or maybe just out to lunch. There are the jerks, Ben Affleck, Tom Maguire, the preppies, Jude Law, Christian Bale, the guys who can make you laugh even when you're annoyed at them, Will Smith, George Clooney... There's the men, got this goes on phrase, isn't it? There's the men you want to carry you from a burning building, flames licking at their heels, Denzel Washington, Bruce Willis. The meat and potatoes, solid and reliable, like Matt Damon and Russell Crowe. And then there's Viggo Mortensen. 
a man who can, at his very best, assume a certain density on the screen, who is somehow able to project a sense of vast interiority with just the flicker of his eyes or the nod of his chin. His face is strangely feline in its geometry, heart-shaped, the sharp lines of his cheekbones framing his blue eyes. Even when he is covered in dirt or sweat or blood, or sometimes all three, he's still in possession of a dignity that few other actors can rival. Oh, that sums him up perfectly, doesn't <laughs> it? Oh. oh, he's so lovely. See, it just goes back to what you said. He's just all-round wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Also, like, in the, later in the article where it says that his characters perform oral sex as if breathing. <laughs> oh. I've not, I don't know if I've seen this. You've not seen um, A Perfect Murder, A Walk on the Moon, or History of Violence? No. I have to go home and watch them. Yeah, I do remember seeing History of Violence, and that was 2005, so it was like the first thing that I saw him in after Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. and being very um, taken with the History of Violence. <laughs> he's Hollywood's most appealing man, probably because he's Hollywood's least threatening man. He is paternal, but not patronising. Paternal, see? I was right. He possesses strength without aggression. Uh, yeah, just... <sighs> Protector. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading this all out now. You desire him, but he doesn't set out to seduce. He's one of the few actors for whom the female gaze has been possible. The shock of seeing a naked man on the screen only exists because it is still so rare. The women in his movies are drawn to him as if there's a hidden stillness that they need to reach. Like finding a pond in the middle of a forest. But such masculine... Sorry, I was just thinking about um, you trying to sneak up a bit. Sneak up a bit pond. So much of masculinity on film feels like watching a gift you don't want being unwrapped but Mortensen operates on another plane. See, it's, it's basically everything that I've said, <laughs> but um, in a much more intelligent and put-together way. Uh, yeah, I did like that a lot. I like that a lot too. I think that's, that sums it up perfectly. That's everything I would like to say. <laughs> <laughs> we just have you say yeah. it at the beginning. But what I do you think of Viggo Mortensen? <laughs> uh, I think... He is a man who can at his very best. <laughs> uh, I like that quote. A man who can at his very best. So... I've taken us on a massive tangent, but let's assume we've just spoken about Arwen. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I've got some other stuff about Eowyn, and I'm trying to work out which way to do it, because there's more written about her. Was she more prominent in the books than Arwen? Um, I cannot say that I remember. Okay. But I'll say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this was from a person who went, goes by Virtuella. This is, was on like a Tolkien fandom site, and they wrote, Aragorn, a feminist nightmare, question mark. <gasps> So not, not my Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've, I've cut off this quote, so I've not got the interest. I think there's basically, isn't there something where Eowyn wants to go to battle and Aragorn says you shouldn't? Because she's a lady. Yeah. Probably, yeah. And so here, this is the quote from Virtuella. So Eowyn gives us a whopping speech that would count as at least proto-feminist. And, and this is a crucial point. The author vindicates her by the way the plot develops. If she had listened to Aragorn, who'd have slain the Witch King? In a way, Tolkien includes with this plotline the very discourse of feminism that dominated much of the early part of the 20th century. Aragorn represents the traditional paternalist view, Eowyn the liberal feminist one. But by turning the story the way he did, I think Tolkien is taking sides with Eowyn. If he'd really wanted to endorse the paternalistic stance, he would have made her fail, but she not only succeeds in battle, but also in romance, and her romance, not Aragorn's, is the one that is filmed with warmth and depth. Interesting that this says, deems Aragorn in the novel, I think, or it might be the film, as being paternalist. And this is, this, I guess, the distinction between that and, what were we saying? Like, 
What was that quote earlier? Yeah, so in the um, New York Times article, they described him as being paternal but not patronising. This seems to imply that Aragorn in the books falls on the wrong side of that and becomes too overtly paternal. I guess, did you ever have an issue with Aragorn? I, I had no issues at all with him. <laughs> um, he could he could look after me and do, do whatever he likes, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I, I never picked up on that. Nine-year-old me wouldn't have uh, been thinking too heavily about it. I've got so many quotes about this Eowyn thing, I don't know how... I'm going to Google. How are we spelling Eowyn? E-O-W-Y-N. Oh, yes. I'm, all, I'm on the same page now. <laughs> I, was, I was struggling in my head. I was like, which one's which? <laughs> She's the blonde one. <laughs> That's quite interesting. They had... Um, I, I don't know if it's in the books as well, but the uh, two love interests are very starkly different. Mm. One blonde and one dark. How could he possibly like women with different hair colour? Everyone's got a type. <laughs> He's supposed to like blonde ladies. <laughs> I'm his type. I don't remember why why their love story doesn't work out. Have you got any information on this? I've got a quote. Um, let's put this to a, a modern context. I'm going to read out Aragorn's lines and Eowyn's lines. And it's like to say, so you've just gone up to a guy that you're really into... <laughs> And this is how he responds. I want to know if you feel like this is, if he's let you down kindly or if this is, if okay. you take well to I'm, this. I'm picturing the guy in Weatherspoons with his head <laughs> up and the pipe. Go. So you've gone over. So he goes, why have you come? And you say, do you not know? And then he says, it is but a shadow and a thought that you love. I cannot give you what you seek. <gasps> oh, he's mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I don't think that's a very gentle letdown. I think if, if a man today said that to me, I'd be very confused. <laughs> um, probably would take a slightly offensive stance of, how do you know what I want? Because <laughs> I don't know what I want. I'm a girl. I'm Steph. I don't know what I want. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I'd be let down gently. I probably wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Mm. I think that maybe that does fall into the sort of the um, paternalist view of Aragorn, where it's like, I know what's better. You, you yeah. think that you love me, but actually... Actually, I'm not the right one for you. He's just such a good guy. <laughs> He's doing it for her. Not for him. Although you don't obviously know what's going on in his brain. Maybe there's deeper layers to him where he's actually just a bit of a fuckboy. Um, <laughs> just a casual dick appointment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, not him. He's not like that. He's not like that at all. So Mariah Huner, for the right for the Mary Sue had an article called I Am No Man Doesn't Cut It, The Story of Erwin. So my issue is with the way that they had Erwin moon over Aragorn in the films, and it hinges on a key scene from the book that they left out completely. In it, Aragorn tells Erwin that she can't come with him on the paths of the dead because her people need her and that renown isn't really all it's cracked up to be. He's not wrong exactly, but he basically tells her it's her duty to stay behind, something he would never say to her uncle or brother. And she calls him on it. Flat out, she tells him, all your words are but to say, you are a woman and your part is in the house. But when the men have died in battle and honour, you have leave to be burned in the house. For men will need it no more. But I am of the house of all. All? Earl? Of, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and not a serving woman. I can ride and wield blade. And I do not fear either pain or death. Uh, think about that for a moment. Not only is she calling him out for sexism, she lays out why it's sexist and does a pretty damn fine job of distilling down the lot of women in this culture. To wit, 
if there are men around, you don't really matter and you definitely don't get to decide for you how you live or die if you're a lady. That's very powerful, especially in a series that deals a lot with the trappings of war and the glory from a distinctly masculine point of view. She doesn't come even remotely close to saying anything like that in the film, instead pleading with him out of love, giving him a lot of doe-eyed looks and generally being differential instead of defiant. It undermines her character's strength and feminist bent, because although she thinks she's in love with Aragorn, she has no problem telling him he's completely full of shit. Full of sexist shit, in fact. <laughs> I like that. I like that too. It matters a shame that that did not translate into the movies. Mm. Uh, what I like about that idea is that Aragorn is a good dude overall, but he is not perfect. And I think that idea of sexism being so prevalent, it isn't just we have these like these four evil men or evil men who are sexist. We need to acknowledge that actually we exist in a sexist culture and that men need to do a better job of calling themselves out on their shit. And by having Aragorn be a guy who we respect, but also acknowledge that he has these issues which we don't agree with and he needs to work on, is positive. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not quite sure what I'm saying. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. It kind of loops back to what you were saying about how they've, in the movies, made him less of the confident hero and more of the reluctant hero. Mm. So they've taken it out. So So in the book... Wait, what was it? In the book, he's sexist. Yeah. <laughs> and But he gets called out on it. Yeah. So the question is whether in the film he is still sexist, but is not called out on it. And then that normalises his behaviour in the way that he is paternal to Eowyn, Eowyn by telling her that she can't come to war. But the film, I guess, is still calling it out because she kills the Witch King. Yeah. Long... Uh gets there in the end yeah oh it's really yeah. I, feel like, I feel like like on the cusp of a good point <laughs> i'm so close <laughs> to saying something smart but i don't know what it is oh uh, i don't know now I'm back to more less heavy shit so when i originally started doing this podcast and messaged you saying think it got excited about first crushes you were like boom sent me a picture of aragorn <laughs> i know <laughs> like that for most people that i've spoken to is that true I feel like there's been a decent number who have known off the bat, but probably more have had to think about it. How was it such a a moment of like, this is the guy? There's just no thought needed. (laughs) Why would I have to think about it? Um, Obviously, there were other crushes uh, growing up, but he was definitely the um, most prominent childhood crush. Charlie from Busted is pretty pretty up there as well. Um, But I think he probably came a bit later. Uh And... uh, even later than that, uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Okay, I don't know if I'm, yeah. yeah, he's a very attractive man. He he breaks the type for me, but mm. he's tall. Is it, so that's the, the most important quality? Uh, yeah, so that when I have children with them, they're also tall. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm thinking about my genetics and my children here. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the deciding factor. It's from uh, True Blood was when I um, developed my thing for him. So yeah. that was uh, late teens, I think, probably. So you say... Alexander Skarsgård breaks the mould. He's like, blonde. So that's all it is. In, <laughs> that's so, it. in, the, same way, in the same way that Aragorn <laughs> is able to split in his mind and find women with different hair colours attractive. <laughs> this is something that only in recent years you've been able to develop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just, it's very much so my, my usual type is a dark-haired man. Don't know why. It's only become apparent to me recently, to be honest, <laughs> that this is a thing. Um, 
And is the Aragorn long hair, is that a look that you like more generally? Um, I would go with no, I think. But I also wouldn't really want to go out with someone who walks around with a sword on his hip now. (laughs) So in in the fantasy, I buy into it. But Mm. um, real life application would be denied i think <laughs> and and then do you think that vigo so i guess vigo around the time he was doing lord of the rings when he's just like living his life mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's got I don't know, maybe short hair or maybe not the beard does he lose something when he's not yeah i think he probably would actually i would probably have to look at some pictures but i think he would he would lose the um the character and he'd lose the the story mm-hmm. behind why he's so attractive and wonderful yeah big time but then as an actor now as he is a lot older mm-hmm. he's very much so a silver fox now and he's got kind of like middling length hair like it's not short it's mm-hmm. not long and he's still hot so mm-hmm. yeah maybe i don't know my own type maybe there is no mold <laughs> you're making me question myself <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah i think as as someone who's delving into the world of dating i think it's uh maybe it's something i have to think about for myself but <laughs> I feel like I'm having a therapy session. <laughs> I'm going to walk away and be like, I know what I want. I don't know what I want at all. So if I, w- I went on Tumblr to find more people who have got similar opinions, mm-hmm. they talked about the uh, pipe scene, the, the door scene. And, um, so Trekkie Lover said, my whole sexuality is based off Aragorn opening a door. <laughs> Probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And so then I went further and found um, fan fiction sites. Oh. <laughs> and the thing that I didn't understand was that I found the anthology of Aragorn illness and injury fiction. So there's a whole subgenre of fan fiction that people write about Aragorn being ill or injured and then having to be nursed back to health. <laughs> oh, so someone wants to be the protector to him. Yeah. Okay, no, I don't want to do that. No? Uh, no, not remotely interested. Would your fiction involve you being injured and Aragorn having to nurse you back to health? Um, No. <laughs> no, I don't want to be injured. I don't want him to be injured. Mm-hmm. I um, I think I'm primed and ready, <laughs> good to go. Um, <laughs> I think um, part of part of the fantasy about him for me is that I'm a very like caring and nurturing person. I like to think in general. I'm a bit of a mother, mm-hmm. and I think I just want to be looked after. Okay, that's that because it's the fantasy. Um, so if we're writing our Aragorn fan fiction. Yeah, I wouldn't be looking after him. Ugh, we should do that. But you're not ill. You're not. You're just. He's just sort no. of like you're sort of watching TV. and He's making making you some soup. Yeah, we're we're watching The Voice together. Or, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's making me soup and eating it like a gentleman. Um, yeah, we're probably gonna eat some garlic together. <laughs> what? Why are you eating garlic? <laughs> because I love garlic. One, but two, it's like when you're comfortable enough with a person after you've been like dating them for a while, you're like yeah, I'll eat garlic. It's fine. But if you both eating garlic, then it becomes a non. Thing it's really the the real test would be if you just eat garlic. You're the only one to eat garlic. Oh, I don't know. I, mm, I've never. I just avoid it on the the first date. First year. <laughs> the first year. Yeah, I can't let them know how much I like garlic until. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found so the most pop. Well, I don't know if I'm talking rubbish now, but there's certainly a very popular fan fiction series is the Melon Chronicles. Right. And I think melon. <laughs> melon is, is in like. Fruit it's, or melon. It's the, it's the elvish word for friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> like watermelon, uh, cantaloupe. So it's uh, a 1.2 million word fan fiction series. Oh my gosh. Someone's been busy. So this is 
an article, so Erica W. Smith for Motherboard wrote, oh well, taking its name from the Elvish word for friend, the Melon Chronicles follows the misadventures of a young Aragorn and Legolas. Like romance novels, westerns, and Sherlock Holmes, the Melon Chronicles follow a formula. Most of the 36 stories begin with Aragorn and or Legolas travelling somewhere, then one of them gets captured and usually tortured. So once again, people seem to like him in pain. <laughs> and then the other one rescues him. While the description might not sound like it, the Melon Chronicles were entirely non-sexual. No slash, no smut, as the saying went. <laughs> Do you think you want to check out the Melon Chronicles? I mean, you've just made them sound quite repetitive. <laughs> if there's a million words um, and the same thing happens every time, I might, I might be one. But, um, I, don't, I, just, I, I don't want them to be injured, really. Just... Yeah, it's interesting that that's such a strong part of what people like about it. A bit it. weird. <laughs> Yeah, a bit confusing to me actually. I um, I don't know. I think I I feel stressed like watching him be in trouble or reading about him being in trouble. Mm. Like, oh no, not him! <laughs> Protect him. He's special. I also don't know how I feel about him being saved by Legolas oh. like re- repeatedly. Well, I think they save each other. One of them, one of them gets captured. <laughs> it's your turn. Yeah. Uh, okay, right. Hmm. <laughs> no, I don't want to read that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went forward to it. <laughs> Good. Well, okay. so then I went to Reddit, and this was a comment from Anacristica. So these are just bullet points about Vigo in Lord of the Rings. So he did all his own stunts. Oh, oh, he's so agile. Um, he broke two toes kicking a helmet, kept on filming. <gasps> oh, he's got such high pain threshold. <laughs> what <on>. a man. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I need to think before I say that. Got a tooth knocked loose, refused treatment, glued it back, and kept filming. Glued it back? Oh no. <laughs> this is too far now. Oh, no. he's, he's, he's too able to deal with the pain. <laughs> glued it back? Wouldn't you just leave? Oh, I suppose that you can't, have, can't be toothless in the filming. Wow, what a man. Um, he took care of his own sword, he even slept with it. Yeah, I wouldn't be inviting that. But, you know, <laughs> depends how into the pain thing we're getting. But I'm not, I wouldn't be inviting oh, I understand that. So this fan fiction is that you don't like the fact that he's already in pain. You ought to be the one causing the pain to him. So yes. it now makes sense. Yes, that's it. You don't like him, being, you don't like him getting better. He needs to stay in that state of, okay, I've got it now. Um, he went on hikes in full costumes, make you look realistically wearied. Oh, that's dedication. And he was called the best swordsman I've ever trained by the swordmaster who trained them. <gasps> He's so capable. <laughs> so he could really fight someone off if uh, I was in trouble. I mean, he's like, I don't know, I'd say one of the more famous like method actors. Like when he did The Road, I think he was like, he lived in the streets for like a, a few weeks to sort of oh. get into character of it. Is his sort of dedication to his craft, is that an appealing element of him? Yeah, very much so. He's he's good at his job. That's competency. That's competency. <laughs> yeah, that's high up on my list of um, requirements. I would say, mm-hmm. or requirements. What I, what I look for. <laughs> Someone who's passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where that stemmed from too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounding less and less like he'd want to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix with me. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not the one for him. To get up and go. Yeah. Well, you know he um, the horses that he had. On Lord of the Rings, he bought them because he had such an attachment to them. Oh my god, he's perfect. <laughs> he loves animals as well. Oh, he's just ticking all the boxes. Right, um, 
So you, do you know there's a new Lord of the Rings TV series being made? No. Um, so I think Amazon bought the rights for it. And I think they paid, um, I don't know if this is right, they paid the, to get the rights to Lord of the Rings, they paid the amount that it normally costs to make a TV series. Right. So it's going to be like ridiculously yeah. expensive. Oh, this is exciting. And I don't know if it's going to be, I don't think it's in canon with the uh, films. I think it's its whole, okay. whole new thing. Okay. But um, the One Ring is reporting that the opening season of the show is going to be focused on a young Aragorn. <gasps> oh, how am I going to feel about a different actor? That, that's just my question. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. It depends how hot he is. Um, <laughs> mm. Depends how young we're talking as well, obviously, because there's a cut-off point where I would not be attracted and it would be inappropriate <laughs> to be so. Um, so if we're talking like childhood, then it's not an issue at all for me because I think there is a young, there's a, a child him in the actual movies as well. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think the impression I get because they said he's, he was 87 in <laughs> Lord of the Rings and so maybe he might right. just be like 60 or something. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's still fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> But if we're talking like childhood, then I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think that might upset me a little bit. A different actor, yeah, might ruin it. Would you want them to bring like a new take to it, or would you want them to imitate? Vigo? Imitate, <laughs> <laughs> imitate, imitate, imitate. I want it to be as close as possible. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to confuse my head. Mm-hmm. What if What if I watch TV series and then I reread the books and I can't decide which one to picture? Mm-hmm. And then it's, then it's going to unlock your imagination again. You no longer have to <laughs> blindly follow this version that you've been sold. No, my little mind can't cope with it. <laughs> Choice. I'm already reading. It can't. It can't think about picking preferences. Did you see the? Um, I can't remember what year it came out. The animated Lord of the Rings film. No. Because I don't know if that would interest me. I remember the main thing I remember from it is that Gollum's voice was so different. He sounded. He was like. Gollum, means Gollum. <laughs> I don't know that's, that's a good impression, but it was it was really radically different. And um, am I going to go down this tangent? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I feel like I'm going to step my toe in something that's okay. But basically, in the animated film, Vigo, so not Vigo, Aragorn was Native American, right? And I think it's quite interesting watching it, watching the film yesterday. The fact that everyone is white in Lord of the Rings, and that's really true. Yeah, maybe even maybe gets more problematic is that I think the only cast member I think in the Fellowship of the Ring who is a person of color is the main guy who's like the leader of the Urukai, mm. who's like a monster, the monster dude yeah. who gets his head cut off by Vigo. Yeah, and the actor's Maori, and I just feel like having probably the most famous film series shot in New Zealand, yeah, in which the Maori guy is a monster. I don't know. I think there's something really dodgy about yeah, that. Yeah, something doesn't quite sit there, yeah. does it? I mean, I might, like I said, I'm, I've not looked into it, so maybe I'm missing something completely, but it just, it struck me yesterday watching it that this was an element I hadn't even considered. And maybe think about how the complaints that I see people talking about, what oh, diversity is just being thrust upon us. I feel like the fact that Aragorn was drawn as Native American in the, a cartoon sort of I don't know to me demonstrates that having an all white cast is a choice just as much as having people of colour in the cast like it's not like one is default and one is an addition it was a choice to do that and I think it'd be interesting to see with the new Lord of the Rings TV series 
if what route they decide to take on that front because I think it's an opportunity to not do that again <laughs> <laughs> there's a chance here guys um yeah that, that is very interesting yeah I said I don't, I don't really have a question attached to it no, it's just so an interesting this, yeah. side note. Yeah. Is this where your um, hatred of the native people of New Zealand goes from? <laughs> <laughs> Subliminally. <laughs> oh, I can't say the word. I was programmed. I mean, that's all my notes. Should we wrap up? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even have a wrap-up line, do I? Like, cheers for doing this. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> um, I feel like there's more stuff that I wanted to talk about. I can't think about him. He's just so interesting. Just so wonderful. He's great. Have you got a crush on him now? Is <laughs> it? A little bit. Like, I, did, I did, like, understand. Like, I felt like, you know the door bit that I was talking about? Mm-hmm. I remember watching that as a kid and thinking it was the coolest thing I'd yeah. seen. And, but I hadn't really in, had it with the eyes on of seeing it as someone could see it as hot. But now I so get it. Yeah. And it's interesting that I don't understand. I can't understand why it is. Like, you know, like, if someone was, um, I don't know doing a bicep curl and someone was really into <laughs> muscles, like, I can be like, okay, that is doing it for yeah. them. But the door thing, I can't pinpoint an exact moment of why it's so hot, but it just is. A purposeful presence, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's something to do with that for me. And I'm not sure of the context. I didn't get that far in the two towers, but I feel like maybe everything's gone to shit and then it's like, boom. Boom, I'm here to save the day. Yeah. It's me. Shit's going to get done. Yeah, because that's it's just that feeling when you see him. You're like, oh, thank, thank God. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that can be your finishing line. Yeah. <laughs>